On today's episode, Dave interviews Paul Stein. Paul is the executive producer of the Comedy Central stage. He was a venue producer for over 10 years at HBO's U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen and venue supervisor for all five TCF comedy festivals in Las Vegas. He is also the artistic director of the Solo Collective. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. So I, I, I just, I've been touring so much. Uh-huh. I've just been touring a lot. I forgot my watch, but I'll figure it out. Um, this year has just been phenomenal, but you have a kid now. I do have a kid. She'll be four next month. Right. And when it comes to, like, what's that? What? How do you make the adjustment to having a kid and to being a creative person? Do you know what I mean? I do. It's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and a struggle also in a good way. Whereas before, I would like, as a director, like to sit with things. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day I'll just listen to music. Music that may or may not be used in my show, mm-hmm. but it's something that could be creative for me. Right. I don't have time to do that anymore. No. <laughs> now it's kind of like let's let's make choices. So let's let's make choices. Now you have a limited amount of time it. to do something, and you know that you have a rehearsal that's two hours, and you have to utilize all that two hours. Right. Because I got to go home, and I want to see her, and I want to put her to bed, and I want to read stories, and I can't linger and take extra time. For let the rehearsal linger on. It's interesting because what you're also saying is get to the point. Yes. There's a lot of that. Uh, and I think that a lot of people who are in, uh, because I just directed a uh, one-person show, um, Allison Royer did a one-person show. It was really great about Allison is she listened to what it was that my ideas, and then she said, no, that's great. I'm not yeah. going to do any of those. Yeah. And I thought, that's awesome. And to, to surrender to that, even though she's come to me for a vision, right. I get to go, all right, I don't think that works, or I think that works. Right. But the decision-making. Yeah. And a lot of it is also trusting my gut now. Right. Where there's, you've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. or you know it, or it's okay that we're going to make this choice, and whatever the result or the outcome is, that's fine. Right. Um, but now you have to make that choice within that allotted time. Right. Within, for a rehearsal, for how much time you're spending on it, how much time that is important to spend on it. And yeah, it's get to the point. Get to the point. And yeah. it, and, but it, the interesting thing that stood out for me, what you just said, was the gut. Uh, get to the, like, trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. Yeah. Because your brain's a liar and an asshole, and your gut is the thing that really is the emotional driver of everything. Yeah. Uh, the idea is, the challenge there is to, well, I bet a lot of people come to you thinking product, not process. Sure, sure. I think a lot of people want to say, I have an idea for a solo show and I want to do it. Right. And I'm like, have you ever done a solo show before? <laughs> or have you ever had that experience being alone on stage before? Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take a process to get there. Right. It takes a rehearsal process to make sure that you're comfortable almost like a marathon runner. Right. You need to have the stamina in order to speak by yourself for 60, 75 minutes alone on stage. To have the energy, the mental focus to be alone on stage, to focus that. So they're, so they're not seeing it, so I'm part of the director needing to ramp them up in a rehearsal process to get to them almost like a, a coach training a runner to physically get there besides emotionally and craft to try to get there. Right. Is there also something about defining what the word process means? Uh, and because the more I've been working on this, the more I've been thinking, because the way that you just described process, it's, is, 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 it's as if it's this thing, but what it is is everything. Sure. Process is everything. And lately what I've been talking to people about is let's not 
lets know that our life is just process yeah. and there is a product at the end of that and it's going to be what it is that it's going to be but in order for that to be there we must be pre must be present with the concept of process process being in it's what churchill says about when you find yourself going through hell keep going so it's the idea of keep moving forward but know that your art is about the process mm -hmm. am i making sense a little bit yeah the, it's yeah. the idea of your product is your product, but the process is everything. Because our life isn't about the end. Our right. life is about living the process through. Sure. And to watch <laughs> the actor, because you're talking about uh, Leonard Nimoy's play Vincent, yeah. to his one-person show that he wrote called Vincent, and it's watching that actor go through the process is what we're watching. We're not watching the end. We're right. watching that actor struggle right. with the process. Right. I would say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's such an easy word to throw out there, right? Uh, but it's also... Enjoy no the process because you never guarantee the result, right? That was like such a common idiom that was told to me in college. Right. Enjoy the process because you'll never guarantee the result, meaning you don't know what your life will be. You don't know how well you'll be successful in this or not. You better uh, engage in this or grab hold of this or meaning that. But a lot of times... I still don't think we're enjoying the process or, but how do, or, or understanding it. But how do you make it so that we're enjoying the process? I mean, I don't know that we can understand the process until we're done with the process. Yes. And I think that how do we enjoy the process? We enjoy the process because we go, you know what, we're going to get to where we're going to get to. And in order for us to get to where we're going to get to, we need to be present to where it is that we are. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, getting back to having a daughter and, and having a child, you are in it every day. Right. And there's always like these milestones that's like, oh, when she starts teething or when she learns how to use the potty or when she does this, there's always going to be yet another obstacle or another challenge as she's growing older to face that you need her to get there. Right. So the process is always continuing right. with her fundamentals, with her understanding, with her growing up, but it's also that you. that's been a good mirror to me now going, oh yes, there is always yet another stage that she is going to face that this is may for a week or so be a trying time to understand. With, and yet with. those milestones are just milestones within yes. the process. Yes. And they're yes. not, it's not the product. Yes. So what you get to do when you have a child, uh, I, I suppose, is yeah. you get to quell in the process. Yes. You just get to go look at what's happening right the fuck now. Yes. And I've been, it was six minutes before I said fuck. I, um, <laughs> I, a friend of mine, when like the first year my daughter was born, and it was, it was a struggle. It was trying to understand it and dealing with all of it. He said, uh, the, uh, enjoy it now because the days are long, but the months are short. The days are long, but the months are short. Yeah. Yeah, right? Because you yeah. seem, when you're in it, it's like, oh, this is, I'm getting four hours of sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything to, you know, I'm with her all the time, or oh, this is this. And then you turn around, and it's like, oh, she just had her year birthday. Right. Now she's two. Oh, well, now she's three. Oh, my daughter's going to be four next month. The months just literally tick on by. The calendar flies by so quickly. Mm -hmm. But those days when you're in it just seems endless. Right. But it's not. It's not. No. Right. No. The idea of being here and enjoying the hereness, enjoying the moment, yeah. is so, I think it's so difficult for so many people because we're always on our way toward the product, whatever the, that product is going with to be. That. I struggle with that, trying to be now. I think obviously having a kid has made me be here now mm -hmm. more right. with my life and what's going on in my life lately. So it's like, yes, I have to do it now. But, uh, is yeah. it that you have to do it now? Isn't that part of the, the challenge is not to say you have to do it now, but to say you get to do it now? Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get to do it now. You get or to do I'm it going now. to do it now. You, well, you or, are doing, and you're oh, doing I'm it. doing it now. You're doing, I'm doing it now. It now. I'm doing, doing it now. <laughs> that would probably be it. I'm doing it now. You're That's doing it now. And not only are you doing it now, but she's doing it now and be present with her doing it now so you can watch her doing it now now. And and you know and and because isn't having a child isn't about oh well, we're talking about children having a child, having a child isn't about her growing up her have, having a child isn't about her reaching a certain age having a child is about the process of living with yes. a child of experiencing of experiencing of that's experiencing. the word experiencing it she's because experiencing things for the very first time right she's learning how things work function uh, she's putting things together in her brain that she's, we all have done right so it's it's having to allow yourself to be patient and allowing her to figure it out herself right without saying this is how you do it right it's Letting going her as long as like it's not life or death stakes sure <laughs> sure and right 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 it's not like let's let's see what it's like now take this here's a knife right here's fire exactly <laughs> take this quart pot and put it take it from there it's yeah. sort of the way that i look at it is it's um <laughs> i haven't thought about this but it's what happens uh uh my girlfriend just bought a um uh i already said it she just bought a a, a laptop yeah. at apple and they go through it with you, but they never touch it. So they go, okay, now move that thing over there and take that over there and move that over there. So yeah. I would imagine that's a lot like child rearing. So you don't touch it. You <laughs> let them do it themselves. And then, uh, but unfortunately in, in parenting, there isn't a genius bar no, that you can go to. Not. But it Unless is. you lose it. I love what you said because you, you, you substituted the word process with experience, which is such an interesting thing for me because, you know, it's not like, it's going through the experience. Going through the experience of putting a show together. Yeah. That's what it is. Because when you say process, people think it's unfinished. But for me, process is the product. It's the product. And the experience is the product. Right. Right. I think, I just, from my background, it's, it's watching all these shows. It's being in that at the comedy central stage, the comedy central stage, the HBO workspace, U.S. Comedy Arts Festival, it's, right. it's experiencing what people are doing. And for me, either directing or teaching, that has been my learning curve, or that has been my learning uh, that I've absorbed, taken what works and what choices they made, and I think what choices I would use or do differently next time, right. and then allow that in the rehearsal room or in a teaching environment saying, these are choices that someone did. I think you can look for multiple choices with your work uh -huh. at the moment or what's, what you're trying to do. Right. And using those experiences of seeing so much, of viewing so much, of watching so much. Right. That I think, because sometimes right or wrong, good or bad, someone who's trying to teach a solo class is usually a performer themselves. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, and this is a generalization, they're saying, this is how I did it with my show. Right. So this is, I think, a method that, that you can do too. Right. And obviously, I've seen you teach, I've seen you direct, I know what you do. I don't think you do that. I think you come from what is, you, you look at the room, you look at the surroundings, you make your decision, this is how it would best. Right. Do you think looking, because there was something that you mentioned in something that I read, uh, uh, someone did an interview with you, and you mentioned the audience. Yeah. And I feel like I don't pay any attention to those people. I think you have to. Okay. I think you have to because I think from my experiences of being in that audience, whether it's a stage manager's booth, whether it's sitting in the back of the room, mm -hmm. producing a show, whether it's overseeing a room, I think 
being in that audience, it's, you feel them and it's palpable of what they're experiencing. And a lot of times the audience, uh, a lot of times the, the, the artist is not aware that they're utilizing the audience enough. Right. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what yeah. you said. So I think, so my example is, is whenever I'm doing a solo show and if they're breaking the fourth wall and if they're speaking presentationally to them, I'll say, what do you want from the audience? And nine times out of the ten, either the student or the actor that I'm working with, they, well, I just want them to listen to me. I want uh -huh. them to hear my story. And mm -hmm. I go, that's not enough. Well, they're already doing that. They're, yes. They're watching you. And it's, that's an inactive process. They're, they're, it's, 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 yes, yes, you're taking the information, you're trying to put it together in an audience member, but it's still, it's not active enough. So okay. I, I always say to the, the person, uh, try to find something active to play that you want from the audience mm -hmm. as, you, as you're breaking that fourth wall. Mm -hmm. Are you trying to convince them? Are you trying to persuade them? Are you trying in the moment of telling or recalling the story? Because most of solo performing is recalling or retelling a past event. Yes. How can you make it active in the moment? Yes. And I think utilizing the audience that way is trying to making something more active. Isn't it always, it's that Elaine May quote, if you want to be interesting, be interested. And <laughs> it's that idea of, if you, you don't have to do anything as long as you're interested in what, and giving energy to what it is that you're doing in sure. that moment. And I don't mean to say, put a bubble around you, but so many times I see people that are catering the audience, catering to the audience, that what ends up, what ends up happening is they lose themselves because they're trying to make everybody in the audience happy. And say you get 600 people in the audience, that's, you know, it's like getting, it's like that off, awesome phrase, <laughs> um, you have nine Jews in a room, you have 12 opinions. Right. So it's the idea of, you, you know, for me, I feel like this is this person's point of view. Mm -hmm. And what, I, what I, I often tell people is, fuck the audience, because they're there to watch you anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you have a strong point of view, they're going to either they're going to agree with you or disagree with you. There's nothing that you have to do other than A, be clear, B, hold on to your point of view, C, add energy to it, D, do it without any doubt, and, and E, have fucking fun whether you're up there crying or not. Mm -hmm. And I feel that, that so many solo performances, they, they look at satisfying the audience as opposed to, when I'm going to a show, what I want to see is, I want to see that person's, I want to, I want to listen to that person's song. I want to hear that sure. person's voice. Sure. And I don't want them to cater to me, because that's, and I'm not saying that this is what you're doing. No, no, no. But, but so often it's like a shitty sitcom where we've got to like fucking right. spoon feed everybody right. about what everything's happening. But I think, you know, the great word you're using is cater. Mm -hmm. You're already presuming what the audience wants versus what you want from the audience. Mm -hmm. You're trying to give them something that you think that they want versus asking them, going, I need you to understand my point of view. Got it. Or this happened to me 20 years ago, and in the present today, while I'm doing this show at this moment with you, I'm still trying to figure out why this event is still bothering me today right. that happened 20 years ago. Right. And I want you to be judge and jury. I want you to go on this journey with me. I want you to... So there is something of need that the performer needs from the audience. What is it that instead they need? of just going, "Hey, everybody, look how funny I am"? But but isn't it? I mean, what is it? I'm mean, aside from I need for you to like me or whatever the fuck that is. Not that it matters to me. But what is it that you think that that people that it, that someone doing a solo show needs? Is it a catharsis? Is it an epiphany? Is it an education? What is it? Uh, great question. Uh, I think it depends. I, I, th I think it depends on on the story. I think it it, can, it really depends on on what that particular event is describing. Mm -hmm. um, it, the very first show solo show I directed, um, the guy he's a, he's a professional you know comedian now. He tours all the time, 
but it was about his show about him being a cop in Maine mm-hmm. and his father was the homeless guy in town and his father would get in trouble on purpose so he can see his son so the cop would come see him right great one-of-a-kind story mm-hmm. an intimate story the performer was trying to not say oh look at my poor life or look at my poor father or whatever but trying to make light of this subject and make these people laugh and have them get into this kind of like over dramatized over sentimental where it could have, he was trying to break down the barriers about and trying to take you see a homeless person you see this whatever that is I'm just trying to tell you this is my father good bad or indifferent I'm proud to be with him I'm proud that who he was this was a life that he chose mm-hmm. and I've accepted it and I just want you to laugh at the situation so he was trying to make people laugh at the situation so he was trying for the audience not to judge his father, not to judge him, mm-hmm. not, not to judge the situation, not to feel pity for him, mm-hmm. not to feel bad for him, but to just go on this journey with him and enjoy this experience of how his father ended up at this particular junction in his life. Uh, how'd that and, work out? Uh, well, for him, I mean, I think he had a good experience with it. His mm-hmm. father decided still to continue to be homeless. Yeah, but uh, did, did, <laughs> I don't know. Because were you looking for that? What you no, what you were saying was he didn't want the audience to feel sorry for him. Correct. He wanted to hear the story. And did he do that successfully? Yes, he did. Yes, right. he did. So I think so. You're asking what did he want from the audience? Right. He wanted all those things of of, of well, no, I'm no, saying, what, no, yeah. no, no. What you described to me was what he didn't want. Right. You described me what he wanted. Well, well, he wanted he then he played active choices so they wouldn't uh-huh. pity him or he or he so, used you know tools of I need to make you laugh or I need to be open minded. Okay, so what he wanted was he wanted laughter from it. Sure. Because I don't you you, you know to. And I know you know this. To say what you don't want from somebody right. doesn't tell them what they want. Exactly. You know, it's, it's so it's the idea of the act of choice. The idea of what it, I know what you don't want. What is it that you want? Because we can work on a want. I can't work on a don't want. I still think you have to earn the audience. Well, th- don't I, you already earn the audience if they're sitting there? If they're sitting there, they come to you. They're, they're, for me, I feel like I don't have to cater to them. There's that word again. Right. I don't have to cater to them because they've come to see me. They've come to see me. They have paid their money. They paid a babysitter. They paid for, for parking. They probably had dinner, and they're coming to see me. I owe them just to be present. That's all. And I owe them to because when somebody sees me, they're going to see me, yeah. and uh, 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 and that's who they're seeing. So I don't really feel like I have to cater to them because that there's too many of them. But that's, I yes. But, what, but I think, though, if an audience comes in and if they have a poor experience with that particular performance or mm-hmm. that particular genre, right. then they will not continue to want to experience that again and again and again. Right. So I think if you are just saying, you paid your money, you came in, you're willing to, to take the night out, you're willing to be here, yes, the actor needs to be present. Yes, the actor needs to do the beats in the play and needs, it needs to be there with the audience. Right. However, I still think there's a higher another step that you have to take in order to earn the audience, in order... What is it? Well, I, I just think there's such a bad connotation with solo performing, with improv, with certain things, that, that people will see a poor experience, or will have a poor experience, and they'll, they may be gun-shy to go out again. But that's not who you are, right? That's not the shows that you direct, right? No. And but but I one. always make that to make sure of it. I understand. Right. I understand. But you're not going to let that thing go out there. You know what right. I mean? I'm not, because somebody had a shitty experience prior to that, I don't need to cater to that. 
I, I don't need to cater to that because somebody had a bad experience uh, uh, because my god you have seen more bad <laughs> improv I think than anybody has um, I know you have and so for me if I am going to cater to make sure make them laugh make yeah, them laugh right. I'm not going to fucking do that I right. don't have to do that right. what I have to do is because I my responsibility really is to uh, and uh, is to my craft is to uh, for me to be dedicated and responsible to me I know the audience is coming to see me I just I guess I just always think because you're watching a play you're watching a two-person scene an audience will automatically choose who they like uh-huh right regardless uh-huh. if if person's wearing the black hat person's wearing the white hat oh that person is attractive not attractive other oh, person's really obnoxious oh that person's whatever uh-huh. an audience will choose you don't have that uh, that luxury with a solo show. Okay, okay. If they don't like you at some point during your show, mm-hmm. whether it's the actor right. and the actor does not have craft or the actor does not have the ability or the actor is nervous or something right. and the cracks are starting to come through and they're seeing the actor, not the character, mm-hmm. they start to get nervous, they're pulling away. Right. If for whatever reason, that's fine, an awful moment is happening or something uh, within the storyline, mm-hmm. good, bad, or indifferent, same thing. They can turn you out. They can turn you off. Do I have you? Seen it. But do you? Do you, do you? That show will not have a Paul Stein imprimatur on it. You know what I mean? That's true. Thank you, know, you, you know what I mean? Thank you. But what I mean <laughs> is you. that you you know you just go. Oh, we're not going to fucking worry about that. Yeah. Because because the, you know some actor is come some artist some writer some playwright is coming to you right. to work on their fucking show and the, and and for me I feel like. You're in good hands. I appreciate That's that. That's not going to be. That. You know what yeah, I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. And and but I see, and I don't know that you're doing it, but I see so many people saying, like, apologizing for past yeah. plays yeah. that I had nothing to fucking do with. Yeah. But when you see, when you coach, or, or when you work with people, do you think that they carry out something for it, a complete half hour or a complete hour, or do you, or do you see them get lazy on stage? They will not get lazy if they're if they're actors that I work with. They will, they will not, not get lazy on stage, and I and, and I and I believe that you know I was again reading the way that your approach is, and my approach is more yelling, and my approach is more <laughs> <laughs> and anybody that's ever worked with me, you know. But my statement is, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling with you. You just haven't started yelling yet. Yes. And so I look at that and I go, my approach is very different because the actors I want I want I don't want my angry voice in their head because that's not what it is. I want my passionate voice in their head. Yeah. So that they look at me to know that that there's a passion that I have, and that passion is not about I need to get my point across. That passion is this is the, this is the model of passion. This yeah. is the signature of passion. This is what passion looks like, and I want you to have this passion that I have in what it is that you're doing. Sure. Ultimately, I am the midwife to your voice, and that is all. I, and I, I think in, in any piece, play solo show there's so many beats in the play hundreds and hundreds of beats mm-hmm. and the goal always is to hit as many beats as you can mm-hmm. in that performance and mm-hmm. that night mm-hmm. and for whatever reason sick oh my, my you know uh, not feeling well the audience is not with me oh I missed it oh I was thinking ahead oh was I anticipating oh I got a huge laugh so I carried it off to the next one whatever you miss that beat you, you, you miss that next beat or you're so I think my goal is yes I'm not gonna if they're in good hands with Paul Stein of directing a show. Yes, we're thinking about the audience or concerns the audience. Yes, we don't want an actor to get lazy. I think the goal is always to see how many beats you can hit per night. It's so interesting. It is an imperfect craft. Everything Acting that you just mentioned, every single one of those things that you just mentioned is all about someone not being present in the fucking moment. 
you know, I'm sick. That's in the that's yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, I you know the audience isn't with me. I missed a beat. I didn't get the laugh that I got the laugh that I want. None of all of those things that you just mentioned is about the actor, the artist being on stage and suddenly removing herself, himself from the now. Yes. And that is the ultimate goal. Absolutely. But Absolutely. it can't happen all the time. I understand. Or that. every time. But, but I also feel that in the shows that I direct, and I'm not saying I, in many of the shows that I've directed, right. and some of the shows have been awful, um, but the ones in the solo, solo shows that I've directed, the sketch shows that I've directed, for the most part, okay, um, I'm not going to let those moments on stage, nor will I, I will not let those moments on stage. And I love those moments when right. the actor was not present in that moment. Then I get to go, what happened? Yeah. You weren't there. And they went, yeah, I wasn't there. They're great. Yeah. That's great. You weren't there. As one long as you know. Of, one of my favorite solo performers I like to work with, Antonio Sacre, he is the same whether there's three people in the audience mm -hmm. or 300. Great. Same. Mm -hmm. He is there in that moment regardless. Whatever is in his personal life, whatever's going on, we're coming to, nobody in the audience an amazing crowd, he is the same. That is the ultimate performer. Isn't it also the reason that many people do the, perf the solo performances? I know it's for one of the reasons that I perform either solo, not solo, I know yeah. perform solo, but I kind of do in a way, but the idea that I get to lose that, I get to lose, this, I love this, phrase, this word these days, I get to lose myself, that is the ego self, when I'm on stage. I get to lose myself. I get to lose my history. I get to lose what's happening in my life at that moment. The self that we protect so sure. much. And, I, and so when I'm performing, I get to be with that partner that I'm with. And I get to be with the partner that I'm with in that moment, at that moment, playing that moment. Because all that other crap fucking doesn't matter. Yeah. At that moment. Right. That is the goal. That's the want. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen often. I think it, one of the reasons it doesn't happen is I don't think that people are uh, present. I don't think that I don't. I think that so few of us are aware that we have a choice to be present. Some people say I can't help but bring this into my life. It's like right. if you say so. Right. But I got to tell you right now, and I've talked about this in my class, where I say people go, I really have a hard time being present. I said, okay, right now, right now. Are you enjoying me, being with me? I'm enjoying being with you. And you probably have at least nine things that you can worry about right now. Are you worried about any of them? No. Then you don't have a problem with being right. present. You have a problem with admitting that you can be present. Right. And if, if that's your problem, that's an easy problem to solve. But it takes, it takes time. It takes experience. It I don't takes hours. It, it no, takes... I don't think it does. I think it takes one moment for you to go, oh, this is what it's like to be present right now. And then to note that feeling that you have in that moment, and to know that that moment can, that moment of clarity, that moment of pureness, that moment of hereness, nowness, can happen anytime you just stop and breathe. And if you say, and I, I, and for me, I'm just really passionate about it, Paul. You know, I, I you know, I'm really, really passionate about it because I watch people do it. You yeah. know, I watch people do it in my improv class because improv is all about that. Are you here in this moment? Well, yeah, I'm going to work on it. When are you going to work on it? Why don't work on it right now? Why don't you work on it right now? Right. Because that's what happens. People go, you know what? Next opportunity I have to be present, I'm going to be present. It's like, w w what does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I want to bring up a point about being in the, in the present in okay. the moment. Okay. Okay. Great. So there was, um, because I think sometimes you don't have... One doesn't or I don't? One doesn't. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I was running a room in Vegas. It was 2,400 seats. 
Comic on stage. When you're running the room, you mean that you're uh, venue I was, producing? I was, I, was, I was venue producing a room. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, for, the LA, for the Las Vegas Comedy Festival uh, that HBO was doing. This was about six or seven years ago. And, and a named artist was on stage, and it was 2,400 seats. And somebody from the audience yelled out, we love you. And she yelled out, I love you too. So she was present in the moment, right? And, and, and she was doing like an hour stand-up set. And in that moment, she acknowledged the audience. Well, the floodgates opened up. It gave permission for everybody in that audience to talk. Mm -hmm. And her set was done. Her set was gone. It, she didn't, you know, I, I don't know how much. She, I don't think it ruined her night. I don't think, she still had a good time. It was still a good show. But from that point on in the rest of the show, because she didn't take control of the audience, because she didn't stop them, from what in that moment of just somebody just really out of joy, not even out of malice, was like, we, we love you. And right. she goes, I love you too. Uh -huh. Then it gave permission for that huge crowd, for that 2,400 seats, to then everybody say, oh, do this, say that. We love this, we love that. She didn't even finish the rest of her set. It became of just mangled, uh -huh. improv, everything just coming around. Uh -huh. I'm going to turn that off. Um, yes, keep going. So. That is somebody being in the moment right. and something being out of your control and then stopping. So that's what I think sometimes of. I don't think the problem was the first one. I think the problem was everybody after that. Because you cannot help but say, if somebody shouts out, I love you, we get to say that. Right. But I think that what happened was, and again, I wasn't there. Right. But it wasn't that first instance of spontaneous response, kinesthetic response to that. It was the ones after that. Because any, you know, you've seen, so, again. But she gave permission for the audience. That first time. Yes. She didn't draw her boundaries right. for that second Correct. Time. So she lost the ability to, to control the room. And this right. is a seasoned performer. It was a fun evening. There wasn't anything bad about the evening. Right. It was just that there was the experience, and then that had happened. And so the rest of, let's say, her act right. was not on track. Right, right. She was OK with that. The audience seemed to be OK with it. She Maybe, was OK with that. You know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's, that's what I'm guessing. And, and, so, I'm guessing. Uh, and so for me, another thing was she was OK with that. I'm guessing, yes. Uh, well, you would where, know. Whereas I've seen other shows where something has happened, whether it was a, a technical error, whether something didn't happen, and obviously the group, the show, was not happy afterwards right. of going, my show was ruined because. It's so fucked up. Because first off, I always assume something's going to happen. <laughs> and I don't manifest it, right. but I'm just saying someone is going to say something that is going, something is going to happen that I'm going to have to go, that happened, I cannot right. dwell on that, I'm going, and, and it's that seasoned performer that looks at that and knows that if you stub your toe in the morning, the rest of your day isn't fucking ruined. Mm -hmm. If something happens where there's a glitch, you go, that's a glitch, let's acknowledge it and let's move the fuck on. Yeah. But it's a, it's a matter of, the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. That happened. Right. Let's accept right. that that happened. Right. We can't go back and unhappen anything. That's not something that can happen. And then as we start the conversation regarding result process, right. some people are looking at that result needing this particular performance, this particular show, this particular run to go well right. because there are things at stake, hoping for a better result or hoping for something to grow and manifest in, in something bigger, greater, da 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 Everything that you're saying is missing the word that you're looking at. Uh, missing the word for me, and that word is expectation. Sure. You hoping for a result is called having an expectation, and your expectation is 
always going to be different. It's not going to be wrong. Right. Whatever it is that you expect to happen is not going to be that. It's going to be something different. And those things that happen, that the, the glitches that come up or the yeah. hiccups that come up or the wonderful I love you shouted out, that, those things that come up, we get to look at that and go, that happened. I didn't expect that to happen. I'm right. glad that that happened. Let's move the fuck on. I love those things. I love those things. But then again, you know, but yeah. there's not one. I don't think there's one event aside from murder that is going to ruin your, you know, well, I look at what, um, what's his name? The guy playing Kramer. What's the guy's name? Uh, Michael. Michael Richards. Yeah. What Michael Richards did at, at right. the stand-up club, I mean, you know, you can't undo that. No. What happens there? How do no. you, what, what? How do you undo that? How could you ever get away from that? Well, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. No. So I think expectations, an audience, even though they're coming to see you, even though they know I'm going to see a Dave Rosowski performance, they're still going to have expectations. But what are the expectations? Are the expectations going to be something like, I'm going to see a Dave Rosowski performance? And whatever that is, whatever that means, you know, they're going to have that expectation. It's going to be, it's, it, it certainly is going to be a Dave Rosowski thing. Right. Now, for me, I don't know what that is. Nor is that my, I don't know that that's my responsibility. Is it to define what a Dave Rosowski experience is? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, as, as yeah. a solo director or as somebody watching all the shows that you see at the um, Comedy Central, at yeah. the Comedy Central space, all those shows that you see, um, have those people define what it is that they're doing? Or have those people define how it is that they want, what it is that they want their signature to be? Or are they just doing it and knowing that my signature is what it is that I'm doing? Do, do, you know what I mean? I, I do, and I think it's both. I think there are people that are trying to, the audience is coming in with certain expectations of what the product will be, or right. what the experience will be, right. or what the show I'm going to see will be. Um, I think people are let down if those expectations aren't met or disappointed. Uh, regardless if they pay their money or not. Right. Uh, I think the performers have expectations of, okay, I'm doing this in the now. I'm doing this right now in my life. Uh -huh. I'm hoping that I can continue doing this for other entities or other places or other venues or other, other, others. People have those expectations. I mean, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, no. I, 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 let's see. They, do, they have, is that, do they have the expectation or do they have the intention? Expectation. That, that's my gut, to say that. Okay. It should be intention. It could be intention. Right. Because I think that when you have an expectation, you have a very specific thing, way of looking at what that's going to be. Right. Whereas the intention uh, with Alison Royer, uh, her show, which is uh, Everything is Literally Terrible All the Time, the show that I directed for her, I think that she, what I liked about working with her was uh, she, she, the intention was to get some of her blogs and just put them up right. and, and, and mount them that way. Right. And, and it's really great. And, um, but did she have an expectation of what it, what it had to look like? I don't think she did because I don't, that's reverse engineering. It has to look like this, and I'm hiring you, David, to make it look like that. As opposed to, let's go together and it's going to look like what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't like to reverse, and it's, it's the idea of, Let's do a period piece of Hamlet, so let's go out and buy all the costumes and then get players to fit in them. Right. 
Right. Yes. So when people come to you, mm -hmm. do they say, I want to tell this story? Do they say, I want to tell this ending? Um, they say, I have an idea. They say, I have a show. They say, this happened to me. They say, I think this is really important in my life. Um, I say, just because it happens to you doesn't make it interesting. Mm -hmm. um, they say, this is important to me. So I say, well, we need to make it important to others. Right. So you, to universalize it. Yes. I think it has to be. Yes. I think it has to be. Uh huh. Now there's a way that you need to. There's a way that that is an option to know your audience. Right. Because if you say I want to universalize it, right. To whom, for whom are you universalizing it? So if I know that I'm in L.A. and this is a story about somebody making uh, their way through Hollywood, that would be the audience. Uh, if it was a group of people who are prisoners, right. then that would be a different approach to it, or not. I don't know. Right. Because in a way, a lot of people that are in Hollywood are prisoners. I don't know. That's the first time I'm thinking about that. <laughs> you know. I, I think about the audience, Dave. I think it's important to think about the audience. Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, I think you have to. I think you have to. I remember at Second City, the, the, the obligation that we had at Second City was for us to be satirical. For mm -hmm. us to be satirical and to if we can, play both sides of the coin in a way yeah. to go, you know what, Republicans are douchebags, but so are liberals. You know, sure. the idea of that, to be pointed and to be satirical. But it was never, and we did get the opportunity to play it in front of the audience to see if they, we, we, it was a luxury that we got to play. Mm -hmm. The third act, we would put mm -hmm. things in the mm -hmm. third act and see if the audience liked it. So it wasn't, we didn't ask them what you liked about it. Maybe some people did. I never did as a director. Um, to say what they liked about it. If they laughed, then it hit. If they didn't, then it didn't. Um, but the the idea of making everybody happy, and I don't think that this is what you're saying. No, no. The idea of reaching their expectations. Did they laugh during the show? Yes or no? That's all that matters. You know, the the forensics of how or why, the forensics of why they laughed or how come they laughed doesn't matter to me. The fact is that they laughed, and that's all that matters. Now here's. With improv, you're always ahead of the audience, correct? But I'm not talking about improv. I'm talking no, but, about. But, yes. but just in general. Yes. Well, with solo shows, you're not. With solo shows, you're not. Because majority of the time, even if you're going <clears throat> chronologically, the audience is figuring out possibly what the next step will be oh, in that person's yeah. life. Yeah, right? and, that, and that's part of the fun of being on the journey. And I'm like, no, you have to be ahead of the audience. Great. But you have right. to make sure that they don't know, even that's if. Right. Yeah. So, with that universality of, okay, this, we're all here, we all got to get this, we all got to it, we still have to be ahead of them. Yes. We have to. Well, it's also, they're there to be pulled, they're not there to be complacent. Yes. I'm, uh, and, and again, it's that definition of what an audience's obligation is or what an artist's obligation is. And an artist's obligation, for me, is to show the audience your struggle. And I don't mean that, like, how hard this is, but to go, this is this, is this character's struggle, and I'm going to have you come along with it. And that, that's why I, don't, I just don't like a happy ending. I can't I mean, stand you it. know, in a certain well, way, but yes. yeah. Um, uh, and the majority of the time when I go see a solo show, whether it's like a large venue or even a small venue and the audience stands up, regardless of what I think or not, a lot of times people are standing up for the performer, not for the show, the production, or the character, or the story. Right. And that bothers the fuck out of me. Yes, it wasn't for the work that they've done, it's who no. it is that they are. Yeah. 
Uh, yes. Or, oh, I can't believe how brave you were. Or, oh, you put yourself out there. Or, oh, you finally did. Or, or oh, my God, you're Al Pacino and you're doing yes. Huey. Yes. Or, oh, my yes. God, you're Brian Dennehy and you're doing, like, those So the audience are... wants to feel that they spent their $200 and there was a reason, so I better stand up. Exactly. That's happening more and more and more. People are like, I've spent oh this money, God. I'm going to you're stand up. You're talking about a standing ovation. Yes. Yes. That, when I was, like, <laughs> I was first in L.A. and I'm watching a show and everybody's standing up, like, yeah. don't you wait until it's over? And yeah. it's like, oh, my God, they're giving a standing ovation yeah. really yeah and I think sometimes you are doing it that for the person not the show not the story yeah I believe that showing up that. is for the person and I also think that you know for me when when Brian Dennehy came out in Death of a Salesman and the audience applauded I wanted everyone's hands to be chopped off <laughs> you know for the next time it's like please put these we're gonna tie your hands behind your back before the show because there's Al Pacino and the moment that that happens it becomes about the performer that's yeah. exactly what it is yeah it becomes about the history and the self and all that it's like yeah. I'm going to theater to lose myself that's why I'm going to theater I'm going to theater to go along with the ride. And so getting back to the idea, what you mentioned in regards to uh, the, um, uh, can, we see the, can we see the actor getting tired? Are we still watching the actor's personality come through? Yeah. It's like, no, we're not looking for any of those things. And I'm not looking for their personality. I'm not looking for their history. I'm not looking for what a bad day they had or a great right. day they had. I don't give a fucking rat's ass about that. I also don't give a rat's ass if you're in Dog Day Afternoon and you played, you know, Michael Corleone. Like, that fucking bullshit doesn't matter yeah. to me. It's ridiculous. And, and I think it only happens in L.A., does it? <laughs> Maybe. You know? Maybe. I can't imagine Chicago audiences doing that. I cannot imagine Chicago audiences no. doing that. Where are you from? I was born in New York, but I grew up out here. Uh huh. Yeah. Have you gone to many Broadway shows? I would say yeah. Mm -hmm. I have. And have you gone to any recently? Probably when I was there about two years ago. Uh huh. Yeah. But you don't watch. I mean, these Broadway actors coming out. You don't watch the audience go. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Ida Lupino. As if Ida Lupino. <laughs> still alive. <laughs> I pulled that name out of my ass. Ida Lupino, everybody. It's Ida Lupino. <laughs> I'm going to say I am probably the only one in Los Angeles today who has said the name Ida Lupino. Ida Lupino. <laughs> I also would imagine that anybody listening is going to go, who? They go, Ida Lupino. Uh, it, my mother would always bring up this, this actress that played the woman in the Dracula movie with Bella Lugosi, who, who, the gypsy lady. Yeah. My mom knows that woman's name. It's Maria Uspinskaya. And that name, I've imagined, also imagine that I'm the only one in Los Angeles today yeah. who has said Maria Uspinskaya. <laughs> Maria Uspinskaya. <laughs> you come to me, what do you think you're doing now? You're, uh... um, but, uh, but all that, whenever I see an actor doing that or winking or pointing to somebody, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I also feel this way too. And, I, and again, going back, I've talked about this so much, like when you're doing a show, at the Comedy Central space. When one is doing a show at the Comedy Central space, I am coming to that show. Do not dress poorly mm -hmm. for me when you're doing your fucking show. Because I also believe that there are a lot of people that are not doing that professional thing. Please know that you're imparting this person. I love getting dressed up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I love performing, and I love perf getting dressed up to, to perform because I also think it makes the audience go, "Okay, that person has done something special." Right. So why don't you think they know? 
Where does it start? Where, I, where is it taught? Where is I it think learned? The, where is it earned? Where I, is it I don't think deserved? a lot. I, I believe that I believe that if somebody is doing it, it's what you were talking about in one in the article. The, like have a director. Yeah. Have a director. Right. And also have a director right. that isn't your buddy. Right. Have a director that isn't your buddy. Have a director that isn't your buddy that you pay. Have a director that isn't your buddy that you pay that you know their work. Right. Have somebody that you pay that you know their work that you respect and you are willing to release relinquish and surrender to them without losing your voice. Right. And a lot of times, you know, when I meet people, we'll almost interview ourselves. You know, like I'll read the script. Whether I like it or not, it's just questions. I literally just write question after question after question. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is I just want to get to know the person, where did this come from, why did you decide to write this? Aren't you also looking for them? And and Chrisanne does this. For me, she'll ask me a question, and what she wants to know is, how am I going to react to that question? Not the answer to the question. Correct. The answer is yes. The answer is uh, nine times out of ten not necessarily important is how they react to the question. Right. Or when they give information, they're like, that information is more interesting than what you wrote. Absolutely. Why isn't that in the play? That. Why isn't that here? Why didn't you decide to go further and reach that you know, potential in the scene or meet, meet that conflict or really want to show that about yourself? Why isn't that there? Isn't it also that they don't know that that's contentable? Yes. Contentable? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. And and for me, that light going off on in somebody's eyes it's is great. the greatest it's thing. Great. It's, it's great. the greatest thing where they go, "Oh my god, I could do that." Yeah. And it's what we get yeah. out of teaching too, where yeah. some student goes, "I'm not gonna wait a minute. I oh oh oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh I get it now. I yeah. get it now." And like, that's worth that's worth everything. Right. I think uh, you know I love I love writers. I love writing, but I think sometimes they honor the page or they honor the text too much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just look at it. Right. You'd, it's okay in this particular rehearsal technique or this rehearsal time. Don't honor it. Right. Right. And the idea of you knowing that just because you've said it doesn't mean you get you have to say it all the time. Correct. And and to have that open. Correct. To yourself. Correct. Um, because you wrote it. Right. And you could change it. Right. And that's one of the things right. that we learned in Second City. The experience at Second City is certainly um, you can change a shit to the last minute. Yeah. But the moment that the show is up, the show is up because everybody else is counting on you to be that person. Correct. To have that point of view. Correct. And what ended up happening as, because I did, I, I, I think I was in 10, 10 shows? I can't remember. But in those 10 shows, what you, living within the words that you have written, what you end up finding is a different way to say exactly, the, 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 exactly what it is that you've been saying, but a different way of, of emphasizing it. Your tone is different. Your tempo is different. Mm-hmm. And to play within that tone and tempo in that moment, and again, it releases you from all that bullshit that you're going, did I get a good parking space? Why is my rent going yeah. up? What's happening? My shoes, I need new shoes. Yeah. And in that moment, you get to go, okay, I am a craftsperson. So I get to be aware, and it's about being aware. And one of the great things about being in the moment isn't just about being in the moment. It's noticing that moment and remembering that you were in that moment. You know, Because how many moments pass by us without us being aware of the moment? But the moment that I become aware of the moment, it's defined, and then I get to go, the last show that I did at this juncture, I said this at this tempo with this tone. Mm-hmm. Did I like that? Yeah. Do I want to change it? Because if I'm not aware of it, if I don't define it, it doesn't exist. And everything gets to be defined. And the moment that it exists, I get to fuck with it. So as an I in the audience, the director, Paul Stein, as an I in the audience, you get to sit back and go, 
that did made sense, that didn't make sense, right. the way that you said that was great, right. what you said it didn't, you know, and to go, we need to clarify that. Right. That's large. <laughs> it's large because it's about surrendering and it's also about process. We're going back to process on that. And we watched a little, oh, oh, I know. When I was doing uh, California State University this year, uh, we were watching a little of uh, Whoopi Goldberg's one-person uh -huh. show yeah. that she did. Do you remember that? I do. Uh, I do. With the, you know, the young woman that was on the beach and all the shit that went down, and then it got to the end of the piece, and you know, she had given herself an abortion and with a hanger and, um, and totally ruined her insides, and to go, wow. Who saw that coming? Who the fuck saw that coming? Yeah. A director saw that coming. Right. Not just any director, but it was uh, uh, Mike Nichols, I think, directed that show, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be able to go, there, we're going to go there. You want to go there? I want to go there. You want to yeah. go there? I'll go there with you. Yeah. But how, how do you work with, a, with an actor that doesn't want to go there? It's difficult, because already they feel so exposed being alone on stage, just as a performer, being alone, if it's personal information that they're revealing, going, am I really taking the wrong step? This is ridiculous, this is such a, everybody makes fun of solo shows in LA, why do I want to do this? I'm joining the masses, you know, do I really have a story to tell? Is this, does anybody care, is this important? There's so much fear, right. expectations, right. Uh, going into it. So that's why I look at going, what, what, can we, what can we look at? What choices can we make? What choices can we try and say, if that didn't work, let's go with this. Right. What, what can we ask from the audience? I think that gives also the, the, the actor a little bit of the power, a little bit, uh -huh. by going, you need something from them, so they don't feel that We keep going like, back to that. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. I think so. Now, you know, I've... I've Directed shows where uh, you know audiences have been split. You know afterwards, I hear good, I hear bad. I don't. That doesn't bother me. Is it like 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 that result doesn't bother me? When you hear good and bad, is it like I like the show, or I didn't like the show, Correct. or I agree with that person, or I didn't agree with that person? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Uh huh. Because I think if there's some criticism that I can say, this was a choice that I made. Right. I'm fine with making that choice, and if you didn't like it, you'd care for that staging, or you didn't care for that moment of we're going to take the the hanger part. Right. I'm okay with that, right? Right. I made that choice. I'm gonna live with that. And you do have, like, for me, I felt like I felt like what Mike Nichols did in that moment. If anybody hasn't seen it, you know, it's really Googleable, um, YouTubeable, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and and I, we should have said spoiler, but it doesn't matter. It's been out for forty years. Yes. But it, the in Mike Nichols, what Mike Nichols does is what McNapier calls uh, protecting the audience, and what. What, what he will do is he will say, look, we just can't start out with, I want to tell you the story of how I ruined my, my, yeah, my, right. my, my reproductive system. Sure. You know, it starts out with this bouncy, bouncy thing and the audience is along with him and then when that happens, you go, what the fuck just happened? And then she falls back into that and it's so much richer, but it really, and certainly Whoopi was playing a character, I, I guess. Yeah. You know, we don't know that, but she was playing a character. Yeah. And in the moment that she was playing that character, as opposed to doing what, you, what you're doing, which is somebody doing their own story. Mm -hmm. So when they do their own story, there's also the idea of, oh, I don't want my uncle to know this. I don't right. want my aunt to know this. I don't want anybody to know I've this. I've had tons of people tell me that, going, I can't put this story in because it'll do da-da-da-da-da. Right. Family. So what do you say to that? I'm like, put it on. 
put it in. Uh huh. I do. I do. Because it's like, why? Why are we here? Why are we doing it? Uh huh. What's the point? That's a huge thing. It is. It is. I've never had a hesitation with that, and I mean, I've, I haven't been a performer on stage, but I've never had a problem with that either writing right. um, and putting that on the page myself as a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, people feel like I just can't hurt this person, or I can't say that. Right. It's skeletons that I don't want to release, or it'll cause more harm than good, or whatever. Right. But I don't know, I just think you have to. There's so many times that you can do it by removing, by twice removing, and sure. still have the underlying emotional um, power yeah. of that. Yeah. And you know, but separating it by two steps. Yeah. And I, don't, you, and I don't believe in purposely hurting someone by doing it, going, I'm going to really screw this person on stage and expose them and right. make a rap song. I'm going to call them out. No, it right. has nothing to do with that. But it's about what is going on. <coughs> Excuse Bless me. You. Uh, what is going on in that story? It, it also, it ends up happening that the moment that you keep seeing that that moment come up and not be talked about, right. or that incident not right. be talked about, are we right. really going to do this? Because every time we go down the street, there's that same boulder there, and we right. got to back the car up and but, try a different route. But there's also like I do talk to people if they are doing an autobiographical autobiographical story, I tell them you need to hide something that the audience will never see. Because mm, mm -hmm, mm, mm -hmm. I think that's important too. Because mm -hmm. I think if you feel that someone is so exposed that it's, it, they don't have any sense of control. And I when you see what you're talking about when uh, the audience is watching an actor who is so overexposed, correct. is that what you're saying? Whether it is just a personal storytelling, whether right. it's something like, I'm going to tell you about this event that happened in my life. Right. And I do think that it's important that they don't reveal everything. Right. That there is something hidden, right? Change of name, something, right? Something that they know that oh, I'm not totally this. There was it was funny. I, I directed a show, and the publicist told the person because it was the person was using their their real name, and the publicist is like, you can't sell solo shows in L.A., so make it a play. We're gonna call it a play. So we so and I'm like, why the f is a publicist telling you how to creatively write your show? I was a little pissed about that, and I'm like, okay. Because so, that person isn't directing your show. Correct. That person is not in the rehearsal room. That person wasn't behind your, t your, your computer. That person right. wasn't there for those personal stories that then you created something out of something that happened from you. That you that and... That you are... But yes. we created. Yes. That yes. we created. Or that you wrote the scene, that, 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 that you created this scene, that you created this piece of fiction we, out of this event. Right. And here's the thing. That publicist, they, they have a product that they're selling. Yes. They don't give a fuck about the process. Yes. Yes. They don't give a fuck about it because they're looking at the end result. Yes. They're not looking at the show. Yes. So the person changed the name of the title character to a fake name. Mm -hmm. Not... Not her name, but to a fake name. Mm -hmm. Show did not go well after that point. Mm -hmm. The show changed. There was something that clicked in that performer, going, "Oh, I'm playing a character." But it's also it clicks in the audience. You're always playing a character. Right. You're always right, regardless if it's you. You're still the narrator. You're still whatever. And I went to her after the run, and she. This is a show that you directed. Uh, yeah, I directed. And you probably had a lot of discussion with her about yeah, this. It's yeah. a huge thing. And it was really late in the game too, which I was right. also very disappointed too. And it's uh -huh. like, okay, we're coming down to crunch time. We got we gotta, you know, we, we you know, we're in tech week, da 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 da. We gotta get the show up, we got the show up, you know, mixed reviews, a little disappointed. And I knew there was just something that just changed, that just changed. 
I don't know, just whatever. But then I gave, I asked her to change it. I said, please go back. Let's do one more performance. You know, the, the show closed. We, we, there was one, another opportunity to do the show again. I said, but we're going to call it this. We're going to use your real name. I don't know if it was a change of time, different stakes, whatever. Show was better. Show was better. If I am watching it and knowing it's your story, I am so much more invested. Right. I mean, if you're going right. to do, yeah. I mean, I don't give a shit about watching somebody do Daniel yes. Boone. Yes. Yes. You know? But if you're doing you, did you see Nia's show? I did. I was. Um, were you at? Were you at the I was workspace? At, uh, HBO workspace. Yeah. yeah so you saw it in all the incarnations. I did. That I did. we saw it as well. And my va- my, my favorite uh, version of it was like, "Hi, I'm Nia. This is my big fat Greek wedding. Right. I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. Boom. That's it. People are amazed when I tell that. They go, "She didn't play all these people. No, she told a story. Right. She was and, great. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And you, all the people. I'm yes. surprised it took us this long to talk about it yeah. because you. Amongst uh, <laughs> you were the one person that saw the show as much as all of us did. Yeah. Because all of our friends went to see that one yeah. that one person show. Yeah. And you saw the transformation of it more than anybody else yeah. probably. Yeah. And you were aware of it as much as Nia was aware of it. Yeah. And so what what did you feel when the movie came out? I was extremely happy for her. Mm-hmm. I knew from what it was and, and what it turned out to be. And I accepted this new format. Right. I knew that it had to be this. I knew that it had to have these people. I knew that it had to be there. I wasn't looking for a performance film. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for that. Right. I accepted all the changes, you know, cities, whatever. Right. And I, I took it. I, I took it. I didn't have any expectations going into it. How many shows... I'm so glad we're talking about this. How many shows that you see take the next step? Or what are those shows? Not a lot. But, but Nia's did, right? Nia's because she did. ended up work, working with... Was that an HBO show? Uh, was the movie an HBO movie? It, well, it was. It was, well, it was, it was play, Playtone. It was Playtone. It was Playtone. So I don't know if there was HBO involvement okay. with it or not. But there, he does... There, there but, could have been. But, there could have been. Uh, Tom... What was his name? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Well, I certainly went Cruz. That's not right. It wasn't Tom Hanks. Ida Lupino. Tom Hanks. I remember Maria Uspinskaya, but Tom Hanks? I don't know. Who is he? I hope. Good luck with him. Hack. Tom Hack. So um, was he associated with HBO? Because I know in the past he has been associated. He has been, but at this point, it was really early on. Yeah, it was really early on. So there's that. Yeah. What else? Oh, there's been shows that I think have transferred that have gone on to either bigger venues or they've developed shows. Like what? That you've seen? Um, Is this a weird question? uh, No, no. uh, I remember uh, Christopher Titus did did his solo show and then he presented it at the HBO Workspace years ago Right. and I don't know if it went anywhere like to a comedy festival or anything like that Mm -hmm. but then obviously he had the TV series out of it. Right. Um, I directed a solo show uh, W. Kamal Bell he had a show, oh, uh-huh. right? Um, and then he continued to work on that show, and then he turned it obviously into a TV show, right? Okay, uh, a panel show. Um, so it is, it is rare. It is right. rare that that. What a great opportunity, though. Yes. Yeah. It's really a great opportunity. I think for- that's why I enjoy doing solo shows. Be- besides it being the most intimate experience I have in the theater, working one on one with an individual, is that these shows have an opportunity to travel. 
that these shows have another opportunity to have a second, a third, a fourth life. People keep continuing to tell their story. They change it. They have a new idea. They have the freedom of, this is me. This is my suitcase. I'm gone. I'm going somewhere. Right. I want to reach other people. I want to reach other places. Right. I have a, a need to continue to tell my story somewhere. And I think that's great. Um, but sure, there's been obviously probably you know a number of shows that I've seen that have been at the HBO workspace or Comedy Central stage that have had several lives and TV lives or film lives. Yeah, yeah. But I remember. I mean, Nia just glowed. She just glowed on stage. She really glowed on stage. Yeah. She's. She it was just her. I loved it. Yeah. Just talking. Here I am. Right. There was a joy. That's great. All right. Let's end there because that was that, that was almost an hour. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was really great. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.